0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, two priests from the Diocese of Fargo, North Dakota, joining you. And wherever you are, whatever you may be up to today, we are so grateful that you are tuning in and uh, joining us as well. So... It's yes. just
1: fun to be back in studio again, Father Gross. We had uh, about a six-week break here, whatever, from being together in the studio, and it's just absolute joy and fun to be with you. So.
0: Yes, yes. Our listeners may recall that uh, earlier in the spring, I was here in the studio because this is uh, the location of the parish that I serve, whereas uh, Father was uh, joining us remotely from his parish. And as great as technology is, once in a while, there were a couple of little blips, right, where um, uh, it was hard for you to to maintain a, a signal or. Some and I, and such this
1: this is a testimony to our faith too our incarnational reality of faith you you cannot substitute the non-verbals and the the things how it just—what makes it so fun to be with you? Well, one, you're so talented and good at what you do, so you make this thing easy. Um, but it, it, it's like we feed off each other here, and it's just—and it's that those non-verbals and all that—it it, just—it makes this just an absolute fun experience. And my my hope is that that comes through the airwaves to the listeners, that they're able to to appreciate that. So we certainly try to so do this, that with the help of the Holy this Spirit. whole this co- whole COVID thing makes you appreciate things you maybe don't stop to thank God enough for just those normal things like being present with one another.
0: Right, right. And we've provided as best as we can various uh, things with the broadcast of liturgies, live streaming, but there is a a beauty to being together and sharing that journey of faith together that, that nothing else can quite replace. Well, How how's your uh, summer reading been going? There's not a whole lot of summer left, and and for a lot of people, it's more like winter reading because the summer is so busy with uh, farming and gardening and other sorts of things like that. Well, we're going to be talking about the impact of literature in our faith and our daily lives, and we have with us a special guest joining us on the phone, Nancy Gord. Welcome to Real Presence Live.
2: Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you today.
0: I uh, am going now. This is going to go back um, about uh, 16 years or so. I served as a short time, I served for a short time as a chaplain to the Shanley and Sullivan schools. Uh, You at that time were on the faculty, and I understand that you have uh, stepped away from those duties and are enjoying a little bit more time in retirement.
2: Yes, that's right, Father. Uh, I retired in the spring of 2018, and I had spent 24 years. Teaching uh, English language arts and beginning Spanish with, well, at first St. Anthony's, St. Anthony's Sullivan
0: Junior Middle High, School.
2: yes, yes, and then uh, Sullivan Middle School, and the last five years of my teaching time was spent full time on the Shanley side.
0: Ah, so you moved up to the uh, uh, moved up to the higher grades.
2: Well, and when I was first hired, I was. Split between uh, the North Side Shanley and St. Anthony's, and I, then, then, and I was split for a few other years too. But as you may remember, I spent many, many years full time on the eighth grade team.
0: Right, right. Yes, I do remember that. And uh, when you talk about the early 2000s, the moving into that new campus, um, I'm sure you recall uh, what that was like, being able to, to come into a new building and the excitement of that time for you and your colleagues.
2: Oh, absolutely. And it was, you know, it was an adjustment. There was something very charming and very unifying about that St. Anthony's building that I recall very fondly. And then we spent four years at the Sullivan location on 32nd Avenue South, and that was a different experience, too.
0: Right, being right. Between
2: two buildings. And then, of course, the big move down to the new campus.
0: Yes, yes. The uh, 32nd well, was, Avenue was, property, I believe, is now uh, Oak Grove Elementary, but that was the transitional Sullivan Middle School site. Right,
2: right. And they told us we'd be there for four years, and that's exactly how long we were there first
1: full year so mm-hmm. so nancy the you know i growing up this is father leffer by the way uh, growing up um i was just on, on that dairy farm and we didn't have the technology we have today where you can hop on the computer or, you know as far as that goes a phone call was a big deal right. back in the day You don't know call I mean? long distance yeah exactly it is you, just, you yeah. know kind of a thing <laughs> and uh, but but so for me books and literature i mean from i remember the moment i learned how to read i remember i remember mm-hmm. the moment vividly it transformed my life I, I read everything i could get my hands on uh, oftentimes my my dad would get upset with me like put that book down we have work to do here mm-hmm. you know what's ever going to become of you you're just always <laughs> reading when you're supposed to be working you know kind of a thing but but literature was uh, it transformed my life i mean it it took me to places and 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 things i would never know or um so how why is literature so important for the development of the human person and also uh, towards Christianity?
2: Well, I think literature expresses so much what is common in the human condition. And so many great books are relatable. I mean, They're not only instructive, but they're encouraging. And they reveal so many things to us. And so we broaden our horizons. I mean, if you grow up in a remote area... You learn about others. And there there is something about a hardcover book that is so different from being online reading. In the the texture of it, the, the portability of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Even the smell and, of the pages.
2: And and, right. and you know, books I oftentimes think if you are a reader you are so fortunate because you're never alone. You always have a book to a company you I mean,
1: would you say I mean I again because I was we were pretty remote you know growing up our opportunities for relating to others was on a limited basis but it just th- those books became my friends I mean they like were a real living encounter even to this day I can take that book off the shelf and the memories just come flooding back it's it's a powerful experience
2: and good good writers make fictional characters real to you I mean they're great nonfiction writers who really Really inform you about the lives of real people, but fictional characters become as though they're people who walk beside you.
1: So, here I, I'd like to share an example, and mm-hmm. if I'm challenging Father Gross to come up with an example, too, and, right. and Nancy, maybe you can share. Okay, and again, at first it's going to seem like a mundane thing, but then I'll, I'll show you how it actually prepared me for my Christian faith, growing my Christian faith. So I had, um, when I was a uh, first, second grader, um, my teacher was from California. And that's a big deal to have somebody from California come mm-hmm. to a little remote, rural, three-room schoolhouse, you know? And, and so she brought like the world to us, like just ideas and things. Where, well, And she'd do this reading time with us. And, and so she introduced me to this, this book called The Littles so the, mm-hmm. the the littles were the little people that live on your walls and there's like this mm-hmm. whole other world going on and i just remember as as a boy like just being so fascinated by this and it got my imagination going like it, it, to me it was a comforting thing thinking you mean there's this other world of of people that i can't see or things that are there that could be present that are actually relating to me that i that i don't you know i you know but it seems like there's evidence they might exist well jumping ahead years later what it did for me was it uh it created in me this whole concept of the communion of the saints you know that the communion okay. of the saints are there i can't necessarily see them but i have this real living relationship and even as a priest now like uh, I, I have this love for offering masses for the the souls of purgatory, praying for the souls in purgatory. Well, recently this summer, Father Gross was asking me. I found the the omnibus of the the stories for the Borrowers, which is there's the littles and the Borrowers. This is the mm-hmm. and I picked that thing up and I'm reading it right now and I just like it. It's like my childhood all over again. I just I, I can't ex- express how the comfort it gives to my soul just to mm-hmm. to read that book. Yeah, and you
0: were uh, Father, you were talking about. Um uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Nancy, you were talking about how the the feel of the book in your hands and, you know, the great things about that. I love using my iPad, but uh, the, an actual book won't run out of battery power, So, and, and it won't right. have distractions. It's like, gosh, I wonder if I got any new emails, you know, various things like that. So there really is something about that. Um, I have a, a, a similar story, I guess, in my childhood. There is an author that I, I still remember reading just about everything that I could get my hands on to this day, a uh, beloved American fiction author for children by the name of Beverly Cleary, oh. and uh, you know, I the, I, I feel right. like I, I knew just about everything that young Ramona Quimby and you know mm-hmm. her family and her friends had had been about, and 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 it just gives me you know just a kind of a really a warm feeling to this day of, of relatability, even though I couldn't remember a whole lot of the details. That that was you know a a steady companion during that time, and something that I really you know really dived into. And I think a lot of our listeners have, have similar experiences of that. Um, if we could impose upon you, Nancy, maybe, you know, kind of as in, in your um, in your earlier times, maybe just, uh, you know, beginning your career, um, are there certain formative kinds of authors and stories that uh, you find yourself being very grateful for as you think back upon them?
2: Oh, certainly. I, I can give you two different uh, aspects. I was a great fan of the Nancy Drew mysteries. hmm. And also the Bobbsey twins. See, but that, that was, half, Yes,
1: it would shelves <laughs> of those. Shelves of those stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yes. I, I
2: had, I had Every school library. <laughs> yes. And so those books spoke to me. But if I wanted to pick a particular author that really affected me, it would be Louisa May Alcott with Little Uh, Women, Little Men, an Old Fashioned Girl, Eight Cousins. And I recently read a book entitled Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy, which spoke, it's a nonfiction book, but it spoke of the importance of the book Little Women to Mm -hmm. all kinds of future female authors and leaders.
0: Yes, and multiple, uh, multiple people have done um,
1: interpretations
0: of that in film and television,
1: too. You know, and I, oh, so you, Nancy, you, you just stimulated me. As the, one of my absolute all time favorite authors is L. M. Montgomery, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, Anne of Green Gables, but the. the mm. um, the one that I, I just, not many people have heard of it, but it's called The Blue Castle. And I just, I think Ellen Montgomery, she has this ability to capture the human person. She, she just, she can lay it out. there, and, exp- and when she just draws you into the human condition. And the thing about it is she brings, she's not overtly Christian, but she brings out all these Christian themes. And there's always some version of redemption or failure of redemption That that affects the outcome, and so it. it, it, And she always has this kind of like surprise resurrection, I guess you'd call it, at, 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 at the end or whatever. So they're just incredibly inspiring. Uh, books that she writes there. As well. I tell
0: you what, I feel like I'm busily taking notes during the course of this conversation. All of the great <laughs> ideas that are coming up, and so we're going to be stepping away here for uh, for a break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about one book in particular that Nancy wants to inform us of, going to give a re- review of the Book Thief, and uh, we'll be talking about a lot of the the details of what that and in- what that entails and the impact that that uh, piece of literature has had. We are visiting with Nancy Gord, a retired English teacher from fargo and uh, we'll resume this conversation after the break there's more real presence live coming up right after this stay with us there's more real presence live to come on the real presence radio network
3: We have all lost someone to the reality of death, some more tragic than others. I'm Father Chris Alar. While grieving is a natural process, it helps if you know how to navigate your way through it. As my friend Sammy Wood says, you can never get over a tragic loss, but you can get through it. Come to know the stages of grief, which are acute, integrated, and complicated grief. Seek help whenever needed, either from a friend or especially from medical professionals. There is no shame in asking for help. Remember, Jesus accepted the help of his followers while bearing the weight of the cross on his way to Calvary. Don't go it alone. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
0: Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in South Fargo near Saints Anne and Jochum Church. Lumen Vision is a full-service eye care facility that provides eye exams for both children and adults. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eco Eyewear, an environmentally friendly frame company that plants a tree for each frame sold. For more information about our mission and scheduling your appointment online, you can go to lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, happy to join you today. And we are joined during this segment by Nancy Gord, who uh, told us off-air that, in addition to her other pursuits, she is a teacher consultant for the Red River Valley, um, gosh, writing project. I believe the writing name of it was projects, right? okay. Yes, so there's another uh, another activity that you uh, are privileged to be involved with. Um, I brought up. Uh, I guess as most people would do, the Wikipedia page for the book Thief, a historical novel by an Australian author, Marcus Zuzak, I believe that Mm -hmm. might be the way it's uh, pronounced.
2: That's that's how I would pronounce it. Okay.
0: Um, It was translated into 63 languages. It has sold 16 million copies. There was a feature film in the year 2013 uh, that uh, was an adaptation of it, and there is a picture of the cover of the first edition of a person about to tip dominoes, a, a right. line or a stack of dominoes. So that's a, kind of an interesting visual to, to bring us in. Um, go ahead and start telling us about this uh, this book, uh, The Book Thief. What, uh, what should we know about it?
2: Well, and Father, in terms of the dominoes, it, it's interesting because dominoes are referenced once in the book, and it's one of the characters, Rudy Steiner, who is one of the most lovable fictional characters you will ever meet is playing with uh, siblings and they set up dominoes and they all fall and it's so symbolic of what's going on in Germany at the time because this book is set in a fictional town close to Munich, Germany during the years 1939 to 1943 mm. and the protagonist it goes from ages 10 to 14 and she is a foster child. Her father was a communist. Her mother is taken away. She and her brother are supposed to be foster children to this young couple. And no, I'm sorry, they're not young. They have grown children uh, who are going to take in Liesel, Liesel, I think is the actual pronunciation, and her brother because her mother can't afford or is going to be sent somewhere else. At any rate, Liesel is the protagonist, and interestingly enough, the book thief is illiterate at age 10 at the beginning of the story. Uh. So when you hear the title the book thief, you think, why are these books being stolen in Nazi Germany? Because they're precious books? Because they have value? Because they've mm-hmm. been censored? Are they holy works? Why are they being taken? But actually, she steals titles in kind of an arbitrary random way. Her mm. first book, she can't read. It is a guidebook on how to bury in a graveyard, and it's by the grave of her younger brother, and she picks it up. Mm. So we follow her journey with the written word, with her foster parents, in a very uh, poor neighborhood of this town, and we see, and we always have to recognize this, how the people of Germany, no matter how much how little they supported Hitler, how they all end up suffering to a great degree. But it is such a great story of bravery, of mm-hmm. sacrifice, of love, of friendship. I mean, this is a 10-year-old girl, and, and 10-year-olds need friends, they need companionship, they need activities, there's soccer in the streets. Uh, she has good friends. Most of her friends are are boys, and I don't think that's any reflection on... Any negativity she's shown by other girls, they just happen to be in the neighborhood. But she's a charming girl, and the people surrounding her are such finely developed characters. But the most fascinating thing about this book, and this is one of the reasons why I think it's been embraced as kind of an interesting take on this time period, is that death is the narrator.
0: Right, the, the author story. personifies Death as a narrator. So tell us a little bit more about how that kind of influences the, the story.
2: You know, I'm never really sure what to think of Death as a character because I don't know if he's complaining because he's so busy. I don't know if he's indifferent to the human condition. At the very, very end of the book, he says he's haunted by humans. He'll make different sarcastic but of course this is wartime and he's exceptionally busy with his work
1: so what's the the, i was just gonna say why with all that in mind so why does he save her book that she writes and present it to her at the end when she at the end of her life why what's that about what's why is that important
2: i think i don't know if it's his gift to her in terms of I've saved this for you and this is one last thing to take with you before you go. Also, it could almost be interpreting is she imagining that he's doing this for her or is it actually physically there? You know, death in this this story is very much a spoiler because he lets us know when he's going to take people. As in, I won't take them now, but Three months later, their mind.
3: Right.
0: Mm, okay. Right. And when you think about the target audience, so to speak, of a specific age group that you would recommend uh, the book Thief to, uh, what range of ages comes to mind?
2: Well, since this is a coming-of-age book, it is absolutely wonderful for those what, middle school, junior, high years. But I'm going to tell you, I think that adults totally embrace this book because you see what it's like to be brave. What do you do when you have a family and you have convictions? How much are you going to put the ones you love in jeopardy? Right. And how brave and how daring would you be? Even if it's just a small act, giving a, a Jewish man marching through the town on the way to Dachau a piece mm-hmm. of bread. You know, or Nancy, are you you, going to do you,
1: you bring up such a... In, in the Christian life, in the Christian walk, You have no idea how many people I've had this conversation with where it's like, uh, yeah, I I tried that Christian thing, but I'm not doing it anymore. Well, why is that? Well, it it was okay when Christ was calling me and all the sacrifices I made, but then at the moment I realized that my choices affected those that I loved. That's when I said, well, God, you're just too demanding. I I can't do this anymore because it's not fair that you would affect somebody else because of my decisions. Right.
2: Hmm. And her foster parents... uh, are very, very well-defined characters, and she adores her foster father. And he is a good man, and he, he honors the promise he had made to a Jewish man who had saved him in World War I, and he ends up saving that man's son by hiding him in their basement. And his wife goes along without question, and they hide this young Jewish man for several months in their basement. And he knows he's putting people in jeopardy, but he's honoring a promise as well as doing a magnificent thing. And it, it makes you question, when you read this book, how far would I be able to go?
0: Right, What and would we think, I
2: be able to risk? Mm-hmm.
0: We think also about, uh, specifically, the uh, fortitude as a gift of the Holy Spirit, that, that strength right. and that courage uh, that is necessary. You know, we're not in as, a, we're, thank goodness, we're not in the crucible of times of, you know, the Third Reich right. and, in, in Bavaria. But still, I think, you know, that those themes easily translate, don't they, into uh, decisions that people have to make in the present day with, um, you know, the, 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 the tumultuous voices that oppose uh, doing what we know is good and Right.
2: I think people sometimes wonder how loud can my voice be without suffering repercussions for others because I'm not in this alone. I have other people with me. And that is really something to ponder. And you do think about this in in the book. She lives in a poor neighborhood. There are people suffering. She has a dear friend. Uh, another thing, too, this book makes you think about, and this again has to go with what kinds of good works, what kinds of good words do I say every day, uh, not to regret something loving that you did not do. Mm-hmm. And this happens to the book. There yeah. were loving words she could have said. There were loving acts she could have done.
1: Now, what's the? There's this moment where, where the, the, uh, the. I guess the. What do we call her the the rich person that she's stealing the books f- from? She acknowledges right. that Ilsa she her- knew the whole time she was stealing them. So, right. how, I mean, what's what's that about?
2: Well, I think Ilsa Herman is one of those people too, as well as Lisa, the protagonist, foster father. uh they both are suffering because of World War One. She had lost her son. And so she's mourning the loss of him yet, you know, in 1939 when this book starts. I think she recognizes in Lisel because these are the woman's books. They're not her husband, her husband who is the mayor. They're not his books. They're the, the wife's books for the most part. And I don't know if it's a sharing. I don't know if it's her reconnection to the human condition because she had isolated herself in her grief.
1: Isn't it, isn't it Ilsa who ultimately gives her the blank book that caused her to write her own story?
2: Yes. Yes, it is. It mm-hmm. is. And she apologizes to her. I mean, there's a lot of anger and frustration in Liesl and in her good friend Rudy, which I guess you can understand because so much has been taken from them. Mm-hmm. And, and at times, Lisa will lash out, and she does lash out to Ilsa, and Ilsa takes it because she does realize that she is a person with faults, and, and she has made her own mistakes in really kind of turning away from humanity and isolating herself right. in her grief.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I will uh, personally be diving into this uh, book, The Book Thief, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And, Nancy Gord, thank you so much for taking the time oh, to visit course, with us so about my this. Pleasure. And yeah. uh, all, all the best to you in your, um, in your uh, busy endeavors.
2: All right. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much. Well, coming up next vocations, schools reopening. These are important things on our minds. We'll be visiting with the Shepherd of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Coming up next, when we come back, there's more Real Presence Live coming up right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.